Welcome to the Sisters in Zion podcast with Danielle and Kirsten, who are best friends and active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This is not an official podcast of the Church. This is a safe place for sisters to gather through conversations to draw closer to Christ. Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. We are super excited to be here with you. This is Danielle Daniel, and I'm here with... Hey, it's Kirsten. Hi, you guys. It's great to start this conversation tonight. We want to talk a lot about some, well, some of the things, just as friends, we started talking and they're like, you know what, we should just record. <laughs> so we started chatting about, um, basically I was telling her about a scripture in Mosiah and then we started talking about distractions. So we kind of want to chat about, I was reading in Mosiah. I'm just going to start with that. And something really like new hit me. I mean, I've known it, but it hit me at a deeper level of the gravity. And so in Mosiah 16, he's talking, he says, um, the time shall come. When all shall see the salvation of the Lord with every nation, kindred, tongue, and people shall see eye to eye and shall confess before God that his judgments are just. And I, it, there's a couple of things I want to read in here, but this, this got me because some, I've been, I, I'll, share, I'll share a little bit about what happened with my family. So most of my family has fallen inactive. My um, mother's family, uh, my grandma is, um, goes to church, of course, and, but most of the family is pretty inactive. And then now my father, including all, most of my siblings have fallen inactive. And so my, my father fell inactive last year. He started reading some, um, literature and just decided that it was false. And it, that, that was the biggest, um, I think trial for me was understanding, okay, why my father, like my, my dad and I've always shared tons of things in testimony. And all of a sudden he was following. And I, I really, I stayed close to Kirsten during that time because I just was real. I actually struggled in my testimony after serving a mission, having no doubt, everything is true, you know? And, and then all of a sudden I'm like, well, is it, is everything true? And it was really interesting to start learning and questioning again. And this, uh, as I've been on this journey of, okay, I need my testimony strengthened, obviously. Um, I want to know the truth. And, and the thing that keeps me grounded is the Book of Mormon. Like, the truthfulness of it. Like, it, it's so divine. It is so powerful. And it is, honestly, it's so perfect. And it's what keeps me grounded. And I read the scripture. What I... What I liked is it says that everybody shall see eye to eye. Because I'll tell you where my thought came with this is because I kind of thought, well, people are going to always have their same thoughts. And, and, you know, obviously they're going to be the same person they are today. The same spirit that possesses us here will possess us in the next life. So I'm thinking, well, they're not going to believe still that, you know, God had a church and Christ was the head of a church on this earth during that time. But, but it says right here that they will, that they will actually see the truth. And I wrote a little note in here, the truth won't be denied anymore. And I thought, wow, like no matter what we fool ourselves with or, or read that creates false beliefs in us or, or that we decide, you know, um, Satan, his, you know, people, his legions ideology is correct. It doesn't matter. That's that. I mean, it does matter. That matters, but I'm saying it, it, what's important is that we will actually know the truth one day. Everybody will. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. I was having a discussion with 
um, a friend this past week. And I was just kind of um, casually asking her about her beliefs, um, her testimony. She's young. She's like, you know, younger than 20. Um, anyway, and she was just saying like, yeah, I kind of, you know, my friends stopped going to church when I was a teenager and I just didn't want to go anymore. And I told my parents, like, you can't make me go. If you make me go, I'm going to throw a fit. And they decided not to make her go. And she's like, so now I go when it's like social and fun. And it's, you know, kind of what all my friends are doing, but like, I don't really know what I believe. And I was like, oh yeah, I totally understand. You're young and you're still figuring things out and I get it. And then I told her one thing that was so clear to me. I said, I, I understand understand all those things. The one thing I know for sure, I know the Book of Mormon is a translated document. It is a translated historical document. And I could feel, and I'm like, you know what I mean? You know when you bear the testimony and you're just like, I feel it. I know it. Every cell of my body, this is true. So all the other things, like all the other, I feel like it's like all the, it's kind of whirlwind-like. It's like all these circles and all these things that spin around you and you're just kind of like, ah, I don't know. What I know for sure is that the Book of Mormon is not like a false document. It's not like Joseph Smith wrote it or, you know what I mean? Like him and his guys got together and they're like, yeah, let's write a book. Like I'm, I'm trying, I'm 37. I'm trying to write a book right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, without like, I don't even, I can't even do it. And I'm pretty, I'm a little With more. a college education. You're trying yeah, to and like decades of experience, you know? So I know for sure that the Book of Mormon is a translated document. It, it is like a history. It's a history of the people who lived on the earth, on this continent, period, right? So everything else that like comes around that is like, yeah, cool, you believe this, they did this, they made this bad decision, there was some weirdness over here, like blah, blah, blah. The Book of Mormon is a translated document. That's what it is, right? Yeah, so absolutely, I love that you, yeah. So much power there. Yeah. And it is the word of God. And I love that anybody can receive yes. a testimony about that. I want to share. So I've told you guys about the book, John Pontius journey to the bell. I love it. I listen to it quite frequently because, um, it, it's just got inspiring stories. And one of the stories I'm going to botch it, but I'm going to share part of it so you can listen to his book or um, read it and you can get the full story. But he was talking and, and it, so what the key, let me back up here a second. When my you know, dad fell away just this last year. Like I said, that was really hard. I, in fact, I started questioning my whole testimony, but the one thing that kept anchoring me back was like, I'm like, there's no way this book is false. And so I actually said to him, I, he was saying, well, Joseph Smith made, you know, made, you know, of course they made mistakes. This church is run by people. I'm reading the book on the saints. And I found a few things that were mistakes, not grammar, but a few things that I'm like, I don't think that's correct. But again, we're just people. I teach primary. I probably said some things today that the kids are like, you know, I'm just saying we are people trying to live the gospel and run the church, right? Yeah. Now, God's not going to let us get, um, lead his church completely down the drain, but he is going to allow us to make mistakes and try to figure it out, right? But the Book of Mormon is not that. And I know it's the word of God, but when my dad fell away, I was questioning and I, I all everything, okay, well, maybe the church isn't the only true church. I mean, it's such a minority on this entire earth. And I had all these like doubts and thoughts and, and thinking, well, maybe it's just all about all churches. I know Christ and God are, yes, those are, they're true. Like ha absolutely. But maybe, you know, I just, again, I was, I was really seeking some more under understanding, but I said to my dad, with all that, I, I didn't go into a lot of the negative doctrine that he was um, feeding off of. 
but he was telling me, nope, it's not true. He's like, no, they, they fabricated all this stuff. And so I find about the church. And so finally I said to him, I was like, well, dad, what about the book of Mormon? And he said, huh, well, I don't know. I haven't figured that one out yet. He hasn't figured out how to make it not be true yet. That's what that wow. statement is. And wow. I'm like, and I just knew and that when he, and I'm sure this has been a year now, he's probably got his little theories, but I don't think there's anything you can say that can tell you that this is not a true document. It's so divine. So I wanted to share the story. So back on, so me finding this book by John Pontius, The Journey to the Belt. Um, one of the stories, many of the stories that um, helped me, but this one in particular just just deepened my testimony of the Book of Mormon. And he talks about the Book of Mormon and his mission being translated into Afrikaans. And the church had asked this, um, this guy in, in South Africa if he would translate it. And this, um, his story is incredible because he's a well-known, um, he knows a lot of languages, but he's actually one of the only people that knows English and Afrikaans and knows a uh, knowledge of ancient Egyptian. So the church asking him to translate it was right on, right? So they ask him and he, you know, looks into it and he finds like it was a religion and he was like, no, I don't want anything to do with it. And he, and he refused. And before, before this, though, his whole life, he knew he had a gift of languages. He knew it. And so he, he had been praying to God saying, hey, I want to do a great work for you, please. You know, I know I've got this gift from you. And so he had been praying for that. So that night that he refused to translate the Book of Mormon, he goes home and he says his prayers. And in his prayer, God basically, in a very, I'm sure, loving way, chastised him and just said, you said you want to do great work for me. This is the work I want you to do. And so he, call, he called and said, yes, I'll do it. So the, his story um, is quite interesting. You'll get the full details in um, the book. But he starts, he said, anytime he, he gave this conference to the missionaries and John Pontius was there. So he says, anytime I start to translate a book, he's like you start in the middle. You don't start at the beginning because language changes over time when people are writing books. And so you start in the middle so that way you can make language consistent throughout the book. So he starts in the middle and he's like, what? This wasn't written originally in English. And he was so confused and he was looking at the sentence structure and the verbiage. And so he finally, from the middle of the book, he finally figures out from his language knowledge, he's like, um, after comparing all the stuff, it took him a lot, couple months, I think he said. I can't remember the exact time, but he's like, it took him a long time to figure out, oh, if this was written originally in probably Egyptian. And he was like, this is crazy. How did Joseph Smith, the, you know, this young guy translate something from Egyptian that wasn't even a knowledge of that language then. And then he goes to the front of the book and it says, I Nephi, you know, being born, I write this book in our language. And it says, and he, he said it was a mix of Egyptian and Hebrew. And he said it, um, that he figured out in the middle, but then he said it, if I would have known, I would have just looked at the very first, you know, sentence in the book where it tells you what language Nephi says, what language he wrote it in. And so as he translated it, he just talked, he, he knew, he had no doubt that the Book of Mormon was true. And he said, this is a, this is word of God. There's no way it can be written by this, by this guy. It's just way too sophisticated. And um, there's, uh, it's, it's the word of God. And he just knew it. And he tried to take it to his his church and said, you don't have to be Mormon. This is the word of God, just like the Bible is. Of course they wanted to cast him out, but very interesting um, how that 
you know, story strengthened my testimony of the book and just reading it every single day. I don't like to go a day without just reading, even if it be a half a scripture. Yes. Just to open it up. Right. Mm-hmm. A few things that I, I've read John Pontius's book and I've experienced that story myself. And one of the things that really stood out to me as well, like you were saying, is most authors will actually re like they will rewrite the book. Um, they'll start over a lot, right? Cause imagine you're writing a book. So you start out and then you get to the middle and then you go back to the first because you're like, Oh man, I to- it totally took a turn over here. So now I got to go and change things in the beginning to match where the story goes in the middle. Right. And that's one th- that's another thing that the book of Mormon doesn't do. It doesn't change. It doesn't change tenses. It doesn't change the, the way that the story is written, you can tell that it's not a story that's like a start to ending type of story that one man wrote. It's a compilation of people's, really their journals. Which brings me to my next point, which I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big time journal writer. I love to just write down, but it's few and far between lately for me with all the distractions I have going on. But I really try to intentionally sit down and write in a journal at least once a week, sometimes more. And in my journal, like I want to just like get all of the spiritual insight just on the page. I'm like, ah, I wish I could just throw up on this, on this page. Like right now, just, you know, and I can't, I have to write each letter, each word, each sentence, each, you know, each part of it. And I feel like so much of my feeling and meaning and spiritual insights kind of get lost in a way. And I'm, again, I'm, I don't want to say I'm an amazing writer, but I'm a, I'm a pretty good writer. Like I, I love language. I love learning and I have a degree, you know, so I can write, I can think of words. And these men, these prophets were chiseling away on these tablets. I mean, imagine if you're like wanting to say all this stuff and then you get like five words out and you're like, my hand's tired. Do you guys get it? <laughs> Do you get what I mean? You know, they're, they're probably like, Oh my goodness. Like, we're going to have to keep, we're going to have to keep trying. And then you've got this book that is an abridgment of what they wrote, right? So when I think about what the Book of Mormon is and how powerful it is, the simple messages, it is so refined. It's like refined, refined, refined down to the simplest message of what we need to hear. I personally am looking forward to when all is revealed. And there's like, 90% of the story that like we didn't even get in the Book of Mormon, right? It, it's a complete document, but like there's a lot of context that probably, well, definitely belongs to all of those stories that bring in like so many different sides of the story that bring it all to our our light and our, our minds. And I believe that God intended it that way. He wants more than anything for us to learn and practice our faith. This is a gift for us to practice faith. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You just kind of answered a, a prayer for me. I've been, you know, cause the connotation of Mormon being so negative. Right. And I just applied for a Christian medical healthcare, like uh, me- medical sharing program. And on the document, they ask you your religion. And I, you know, I say my religion. And then they ask you, do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his son? Do you believe the Holy Ghost? And do you believe they're all one God? And I'm like, yes, I'm just, you know, they're all God in one purpose. And I'm answering, do you smoke? I'm like, no, I do drink. No, you know, and I'm answering, God, I'm, like to the, I'm, I'm like to the T with all their questions. And then I, after my application, I get this um, email back from them saying, 
hey, we need you to answer more questions because people in your faith generally don't share our beliefs. And I'm like, I just answered all of your beliefs. So they made me print it out and sign like a testament, like a testimony to it. And I'm like, I'm happy to, I'm, you know, and it, you know, just made me think I was questioning, why did it, why did we name it like the book of Mormon? Why don't we just name it like the book of Jesus Christ? Like I, I was kind of wondering why doesn't it have and bear his name on it, you know? And, and I may not have the full answer to that, but when you were saying like about the compilation, right. Of all these prophets and, and they're writing and chiseling. And, and another thing they even mentioned, like we have been commanded to write in, you know, a language is not as easy for us. And so imagine that, like, it's like, I speak three, you know, three languages it is much easier for me to write, write in English to a pen and paper. I can just go really quick. But if I try to write, I mean, in Spanish, I have to think a lot harder. And if I have to, I mean, French is even worse. It's like, oh my gosh. So that's, I just can't imagine how hard. And then you take Mormon who has to go through everything they wrote and compile it down. That is, that's a lifetime of work. And it, you just yeah. said that. And I said, no wonder we honor how much work he did in compiling this and calling it. And, and here's the thing is, it wasn't by mistakenly called the Book of Mormon. It wasn't mistakenly called that. God needed it to be called that. And I don't know the, all the reasons, but I do know honoring what Mormon did to compile and bring this part for us and bring this about for us. If you imagine if he had all of those others, I mean, we wouldn't, I mean, just getting this part and reading this and in depth that it is, is, is plenty for our growth and our faith right now. Yeah. Well, and imagine this too. If you were Joseph Smith and you were writing, right? I put that in quotes, like you were writing the Book of Mormon, which he didn't, but let's say that he really was fabricating this and it's a it's an amazing story, right? Um, seems like you probably and you want if you really wanted people to believe it and believe all the things that the Book of Mormon talks about, which is all pointing towards Jesus Christ. If Joseph was if if he was thinking of it on his own. He probably wouldn't have called it the Book of Mormon. It was simply translated. That's what it says. The, the first page that he translated simply said the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. Like, that's what it says. It's not him deciding. He didn't get to decide what any of it said. He just got to translate exactly what it said. Yeah. And the doctrines are so deep. It's not like he was learned enough. And I'm not even learned enough. And been, we've been studying you know, scriptures for years and um, more so that I guess than Joseph Smith, considering he was only, you know, 20 when he really got to see it. But, you know, I want to actually bring up one more doctrine in here. I don't want to like switch gears too much, but in the same Mosiah 16. So everybody's going to confess. Everybody's going to see eye to eye. That gave me peace because I was like, oh, and they're still going to possibly reject Christ. Or some are not. Obviously, some are going to go, oh, okay, I knew it. I knew it. I know. I just, uh, you know, whatever, got distracted and all that kind of stuff that we're going to talk about. But there was something else that hit me. And it says, it's talking about um, so the resurrection, right? And that, so all of us that have lived on this earth will be resurrected. But depending on, at this stage, we will be able to see eye to eye and we will basically have a choice. Like, are you going to follow Christ and God, or are you going to still, you know, be follow the devil? And it says the ones that says they are carnal and devilish and the devil will have power over them. And it says, you know, there'll be 
cause them to howl and weep and well and gnash their teeth. But here's what got me. It's, I don't know why I never really conceptualized it. It just hadn't before. Um, the, what was I going to say? The, sorry, I got distracted with the <laughs> message on there. But um, we all are resurrected. And those who buy into and listen to Satan and his legions and choose to really get along and be, be friends basically with that ideology, when they're resurrected, they, Satan has full power over them. And Satan and his legions do not have bodies. Like, I cannot imagine. That's why it's going to be so horrific because all of them are going to want to possess the body of those resurrected beings. And they're not, not, I'm not saying the ones that are going to follow Christ, but the ones that, um, that are carnal and devilish and the devil has power over them. And he says, yeah, even that old, that old serpent that who did beguile our um, forefathers basically. And he says they will be cast out and be, um, basically in Satan's rule and he will have power. He'll, they will be able to possess their body. I can't imagine like how this awful that would be to have this beautiful resurrected body. However, you're going to have thousands. I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands wanting to possess it and yeah. to take over, take you over. And so just these doctrines that I looked at that I was like, Oh my goodness, there's no way, there's no way a man could have realized this. And the, and here's the last part of this. And then we'll, you know, conclude about this, but he is the, um, it's in it says, but then there's that resurrection. The grave hath no victory. And though, um, and the sting of death is swallowed up in Christ. And then number nine says, he is the light and the life of the world. Yea, a light that is endless and that can never be darkened. Yea, And that a life, which is, en- um, and also a life, which is endless that there can no more be death. And I was just thinking, about you know the doctrine in this and how we can say all we want that there's no way this you know could be written by a man first of all but second of all the doctrines but third of all you could think well maybe he made up a whole bunch of doctrines but then you look at the doctrines produce good fruit and if you pray and ponder on them they produce enlightenment yeah and i study in a doctorate i study psychology and i'm like oh that's interesting way different when I read a research article done on, you know, mice or something, right. And reading the scriptures and getting enlightenment. I'm, I'm studying and I'm learning, but it's not, I mean, it's different than enlightenment unless I start applying gospel principles to my research studies, which I do. I'm like, huh, I'm wondering how that works with our spirit, you know, but enlightenment is so different than knowledge. And this book produces that fruit. Oh yeah. That's beautiful. Eternal, right? It's all eternal enlightenment. Like all of those things apply to our eternal progression. And it feels so, it's so, it multiplies. Like everything that you, everything that you think about in your life, it applies and just multiplies like all the light in all, in your doctorate and everything, right? It it multiplies all the good things that you're doing and thinking and creating. The Book of Mormon does that. It multiplies all that goodness. Uh, I want to go back to one thing. I can't remember if we were recording or not, but you were talking about the book, The Saints. And The Saints is a book that the church has just come out with, which um, really 
really goes much deeper into the experiences of Joseph Smith and all the people who were there and talks about specifically really, really kind of like opening up um, every detail of what it was like. And, and for me, one thing that I really felt my mind open to when I was, I, w- I actually started listening to the saints. I don't, I didn't read it, but I've listened to it on LDS.org. And a couple of things that really stood out to me, Number one is just how little Joseph Smith knew when this happened. One thing I think that we do a disservice of to ourselves and even to Joseph Smith and like what he went through is we look at the experience, the the story of the the first vision and, you know, the coming forth of the Book of Mormon and everything um, as, as a story. So we're looking at it in the year, you know, 2018 or whatever year, you know, it is. And we're looking at it as a story where we can see really beginning to end of what happened and only using that lens to understand it. But when you go back to day one in the saints really does this quite well. When you go back to day one or day two or, you know, year one or year two, and you understand that at one point, Joseph Smith literally did not know that he was going to translate the the plates. He didn't, like, even though he may have been told that, like, he was like, what? At one point, he actually has the documents or a page of it taken to a man, a professor who he knows is like, wait, but can you imagine, you guys, you got to try to put yourself in his shoes. He's like, okay, I'm nobody, right? I'm like farm boy, broke farm boy in New York. And I'm going to, I've been given this task, but like, I don't know how to do it. Like, oh my gosh, Heavenly Father. And don't we all do this? Like, okay, let me use my mind. Let me use all the things that I know to try to come at this and do my best. So his best at one point was to take a, a portion of the document. I believe it's Martin Harris, and I'm not like the best rememberer of names and things like that, but I believe it's Martin Harris who actually takes the document to a professor in New York and says, hey, can you translate these, right? So this whole time, Joseph's thinking, oh, cool. Yes, I'm going to fulfill this calling that I've been given to translate the book by having this other guy do it, you know? And like, he's really thinking like, oh, I'm going to fulfill. And we look at that now and we're like, oh, Joseph, you had no idea. Like, you had no idea what you were going to create because you're just living day by day. That is all you could see. So I feel like too often we look at his whole journey and we have so much judgment for him and we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he ever did that. It's like, well, what would you do? You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen in 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. You don't know the whole story, right? And the translation of the Book of Mormon and the way that it all came about, did you guys know that like he lost the privilege multiple times? to receive the record, to translate the record. Like there were multiple times where he was not worthy. And he even said it. He was like, oh yeah, I definitely messed up on that one. You know, he was just a, he's a guy. I mean, he's a prophet and I don't mean to discredit him and all the beautiful things that he sacrificed. Obviously he gave his life for this, but he was also a normal person learning just like you and I learn line upon line, like every single day making mistakes, not, you know, not qualifying. Like he would go and he thought he was going to get the record to translate. And it was a test. And he looked away for a second to do, to do something. And he he looked back and the record was gone. And the angel said to him, sorry, 
you missed out on your opportunity, maybe next year, you're clearly not ready. Right? Like, can you imagine if an angel said that to you? Like, would you be like, oh, okay, it's okay. I'm just going to go be, jo I'm going to go be a Joseph Smith, this amazing prophet. Like he probably felt like crap. You know, an angel comes to you and says, sorry, you're not ready. You know, imagine all the negative things we say to ourselves. Oh, I didn't do a good job on that, on my calling, on my job, on my prayer, on my conversation with my friend, whatever. I didn't forgive. I didn't do this. I'm so bad. God doesn't love me. You know, imagine some of the negative self-talk. I know that I'm stretching a little bit, but I personally feel like Joseph Smith probably had a lot of negative self-talk, right? Oh, I didn't get the record this year. Maybe next year I'll be good enough. Like, what? So to, to humanize him is important, right? To humanize the decisions and the experiences and the mistakes and all of those things that he did and is so judged by. And then to have the pressure of people now even looking at his history. Can you imagine? I mean, I've shared with you guys some personal things that I have done that were not in alignment with this church and its teachings. But can you imagine if like people's future faith? Oh, well, Kirsten was this. She was shady here. She lied here. She did whatever mistake she made here. And yet she represents the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So now my testimony is going to be based on what she did or didn't do or said or didn't say or whatever, right? So it's like Joseph Smith, my goodness, give the man a break, you know, like, gosh, he probably did make a bunch of mistakes, but that doesn't change. The point of this conversation is that the Book of Mormon is a translated record of ancient people who knew and saw Jesus Christ. They bear testimony of him and his divinity and power in their lives and in our lives. That is what matters. Yeah. And why, as you said that, I was thinking, why does it matter? It matters because when you accept and you, and you read the message and you start to understand the concepts, which is just the gospel of Jesus Christ, it changes your life. It changes your perspective. Um, I had uh, a testimony meeting today and one of the converts that stood up, um, he is from England. He's wonderful. He's married to one of my good friends. And he just, he, I love his testimony. He stood up and he said, you know, the reading the book of Mormon and having the gospel in my life has changed my life. I used to spend my Sundays on my Harley getting into no good. Now, I'll still ride my Harley, but I come to church and I stay it doing good now. And, and it was just a simple, but the whole point was the Book of Mormon understanding. So it's not like we're just like, oh, we're, you know, Mormons are just all about the Book of Mormon. It's like, well, it has a fullness of the gospel. When you have a fullness of a gospel principles, right? So these are ideas and principles that you apply into your into your thinking and into your life what happens is it transforms you into feeling happier transforms you into feeling closer to the savior it transforms you into feeling a relationship with deity with god with divine and feeling direct and feeling purposeful that's the fruit so that's why it's so like we talk so much and and i'm not saying the bible doesn't do this as well however 
the Book of Mormon really does complete the Bible and it does have a fullness. The Bible has been passed down for generations and re- and take stuff has been taken out of it from other churches and things like that has been retranslated by man saying, well, we don't want that in there. And they take stuff up. So it is not in its fullness of what it was originally meant to be because it has been passed down and taken. This has been taken from that scripture that was written the same time as the Bible. And it has only been translated the one time. Nothing's been taken out or like it hasn't been like reach. Oh, let's do a new version. Let's make it sound like language in our English in our day, because now we don't say this and this, you know? So it's like, of translating, you know, we don't do that with the Book of Mormon. It's actually still written in the original form. And, but point being, it has all those gospels, that fullness of it that helps you understand principles of your life, factors that really change your relationship with yourself, your self-love, your relationship with your family, um, and how we are meant to be. I just read the scripture in Mosiah today that said, you know, the Alma, I said, he taught his people that every man should love his neighbor as himself, that there should be no contention among them. And it says, and trust that no one to be your teacher nor your minister, except he be a man of God walking in his ways and keeping his commandments. And what hit me about that is it says, don't, you know, I just wrote down, don't follow the ways of the world. We, we hear so many like, you know, Hollywood stars or even, even, spiritual gurus, which are great. There's still lots of great truth out there because everybody is seeking truth. But when it's mingled with non-truths, it can be very deceiving. And I love that he said, you know, said it's right here is, you know, don't trust others to be your teacher or minister. Don't like idolize like Oprah, you know, or something like that. And everything Oprah said is like prophetic. It's not true. And, you know, it's, it says they only as long as they're keeping the commandments of God. And I thought that was, I don't know, just, it really, it really hit me. This book is such a guide for your life. And, and you don't even have to take, I know the book of Mormon is true. Like I, I have no doubt. And that's what keeps me anchored when I have little questions or maybe like, you know, discontent with something that is, you know, my own journey, right. My own a natural man. I come back to, nope. Book Mormon is true. I'm going to be humble and submissive to my Savior and patient in these things that I may, you know, have other feelings for or something because I'm figuring things out as well. And I, you know, for other people that are looking at it, I'm just like, you know what? Just read it, pray about it, see how it makes you feel in your life. It could, it could transform your life. And here's the key is one, if it is true and you're not reading it and abiding by it, are you going to regret that one day? And it, if it's not true and you're reading and abiding by it and it's bringing all this amazing, you know, fruits into your life, right? If it's bringing good fruits into your life and you're thinking, oh, but it's not, you know, what I'm trying to say is if it's not really the true word of God, but it's bringing all these good fruits, what's the harm in that? But I don't know. I guess that doesn't really make a lot of sense because it is true. So. <laughs> 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 not missing out either way. You're you're good to go either way. So <laughs> I love this. I love that our discussion led to the Book of Mormon. It's such a simple tool that really is essential for the gathering of all of God's children, right? What a cool, what a cool tool, <laughs> a cool tool that, that we have to do that. God is is literally gathering all of his children um together. 
and having this book to keep us grounded, to keep us in routines that help us stay closer to him. Um, their life is so full of distractions and all these things, like you mentioned, Oprah and all the personal development and gurus and all the good things. And, and you know, it's all good, right? And well, it's not all good. It's not all truth. Um, most of it is mingled, right? But having the Book of Mormon as our compass and kind of weighing things against that, um, I feel is, is really the way that teaches us and shows us, um, you know, how to discern the things that are meant for our life and the things that are not meant for our life. So I would issue our listeners a challenge that you set a goal, um, set an intention to read the Book of Mormon every single day. And like Danielle mentioned, even maybe it's a half a verse, maybe it's two chapters, just depending on what you choose that day. But using that as, you know, like if you think about what did I do today? What did I accomplish today? The Book of Mormon being at the top of your list, I promise you, will make time and space for so many other things. I have found, and this is 100% how I have been operating lately, that I carve out a day for the temple, and it's not easy for me. You know, five children, a couple businesses, all the different things that I'm doing, it's like to carve out, I carve out Wednesday mornings for the temple, and since I started doing that, I swear to you, like so many of my projects and experiences and prayers and everything has been magnified tenfold, if not more. Like the time, it's like you're sitting there and you're like, wow, I really accomplished like so much. How did I do that? Oh, well, I had, I had my best friend, Jesus. <laughs> I, did, I did something for him and, and, you know, my brothers and sisters on the other side of the veil and they are working for me. That is for sure. And that's not the only reason why I do it, but I promise you that that is part of the miracle that happens when you put the devotion of studying the book of Mormon and making those extra steps, you know, temple worship or whatever it is for you, whatever you feel inspired to do, that's a little extra for the Lord. He will magnify it back to you like a hundredfold, and it's just amazing. And and He loves to show us those miracles, right? He loves to show us the miracles. And I've got it. I want to tell the story of what's up. Can we tell the story of what's up? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's do that one. That was so okay. funny. Do you want me to start, or do you want to start? We'll finish. We'll finish. Um, let me that start, one. and then okay. and then I'll let you go, and then we'll we'll like uh, wrap it all up. Okay. Okay. So driving in my truck. Um, I live in Hawaii and, and everything is like an hour away. Okay. So I'm driving to Costco and this drive is beautiful, but very long and kind of annoying. You know, again, it takes a lot of time. So I'm driving in my truck and I'm thinking about, um, different well, pre preface before this, you and I had spoke on the phone and I said, Oh, I'm going to the temple. And oh yeah. Said, oh, Oh yeah, we were. You think you're on your way to Costco, and I'm like, and you said, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "It's my Tuesday Temple Day. I'm going to the temple." And you're like, "Oh, tell tell my friend Jesus what um you know." You said, um, "Tell my friend Jesus I said hi." Yes. Like, tell him I said hello. <laughs> my BFF. Like, yeah, I'm like, okay, we'll do. And I just kind of well, like brushed it off, and then I left, and then you were continue your drive. Thank you. So I'm driving, and I'm thinking about okay. Um, I have a lot of fears and judgments around different projects that I'm working on, right? 
Um, so one of them is I wanted to start, obviously this is a podcast that I love. I have other ideas for another podcast that I want to do, right? So I'm thinking about podcasts and I'm listening to different podcasts and I'm listening to a way that other people open up their podcast and what they say and how they say it. And am I good enough? And I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I would say the right thing, like all these judgments. Okay. All this negative crap. So I feel like if I was to have a different podcast, that was just me, I would say naturally, I would say, what's up? Like, that's what I say. That, that's the normal thing that I would say to my listeners, right? So I'd be like, what's up, power moms or whatever, right? So that was that. But I wasn't sure if that was like the good thing to say or am I right or am I wrong? And again, this is something that I have a lot of judgment and fear around. So it's something that I pray about a lot, right? Might seem silly or simple to you guys, but to me, it's a big deal. Well, yeah, you put yourself out there. And you want it, to, you want what you put out there to be of use and value of people. You want it to be successful and you don't want it to come off. People are like, like turned off by it. And so, so I can see exactly why, you know, that, that judgment is there. I mean, even sometimes when I re-listen to our own podcast on, on the Sisters of Zion, I'm like, I, I really have to work not to hold judgments for myself because I'm in a learning space. But anyway, so it was kind of interesting. I didn't know. So again, you guys, we got off the phone after she told me to tell Jesus high in the temple, which is kind of funny, but. I ended up doing it and I didn't know all this other stuff that was going on with her. We hadn't even talked about that. And I, I basically, I'm saying, saying my prayer and I actually, this was a pretty amazing spiritual experience for me in, in many other ways. I'm going to just shorten it down to this one. But the thing that was so cool is I felt like he was right by me. And I felt like I was having this conversation with him. Like I would say something, I would get answers back. And, and so I'm just, I'm sitting here talking to him and I had this transformation where I'm like, I know you're next to me. And I, and I was saying, all of a sudden I felt like I'm worthy to be around you. Not, and I almost wanted to say, but I'm not perfect. But it was like, it was like, he was like, well, of course you're not. It has nothing to do with being perfect to be worthy. Being worthy has to do just seeking him and living his commandments. And I'm like, I'm worthy. I want to, I want to be around you. And, and I said, Oh, by the way, Kirsten told me to tell you hi. And I mean, it's just funny that I even remembered it, but I felt like I was having a conversation with him. And all of a sudden I, I hear the very first thing that comes into my mind. He says, is like, you know, saying, tell her what's up. And I thought, what? Okay, maybe I'm off. Maybe I haven't been hearing him because why would he say that? <laughs> like, I thought I was getting like this powerful spiritual experience and maybe I'm totally off. And I was just like, it was so weird because I thought, oh, I can't imagine him speaking like that, you know? So I call Kirsten when I get done and I'm like, hey, this is, this is funny. I don't know if I was off my rocker or what, but I told, you know, I, I was having this prayer and I was felt like I was talking to the savior and he told me to tell you what's up. And she almost started crying. She was like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, that's weird. Right. I'm like, oh, maybe I, and I'm still about, you know, judging myself. And she, and I, she's like, no, are you serious? She goes, oh my gosh, I'm about to cry right now. This is like crazy. And then she told me her whole story. <laughs> yeah. It, to me, and again, when you're in the moment, you don't understand, like you can't comprehend how real he is until he wants to show you. He wants to show you, I'm here. That was me 
you know, in the truck while you're driving to Costco telling you, say, what's up? That's you. I'm with you. It's okay. Be yourself. You've got this. There's nothing to be afraid of. And then he goes through my friend as she's having a moment with Christ, having that conversation, you know, with our Savior. And he says, tell Kirsten what's up because he knew that that was what I needed to hear. It was, the, it was two words. And it confirmed to every cell in my body that he is real. He is there. He is my brother. He does care. And he's super cool. He does think what's up. Like, he's like, yeah, that's cool. So what's up? It's, he's not some weird pie in the sky, like, you know, untouchable being that it, it, we could never get close enough to. I don't believe that that is the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. And Danielle, the, really, like, this is the reason why we are doing this podcast, you guys, because these experiences that we have with the Savior are real. And they are experiences that you can have also. It's not, it's not just us. We're just telling you, this stuff is real. This is really how we're living our lives. We're doing our best. And we're having these conversations and he is letting us know, he is confirming that those experiences are real. I agree. He's so, I know a lot of times I'm like, is that a thought from him or is that a thought from me? That's okay to question. And, and you usually will get the answer. You'll usually figure it out. And what I look at is um, let the seed plant. Sometimes I feel like I get something and I'm like, well, okay, let me just let that germinate, you know, let me let it plant and make sure, you know, so, cause I'm learning, um, how to distinguish my thoughts from his and Satan's and my own. And, and, and I just, yeah, some things like that, where I'm literally feeling the most closest to Zavell and in conversation with him and he's just right there and he says something like that. And it, and it's just, profound and it was from him it didn't come from me I didn't like make up in my head tell her what's up <laughs> I didn't make that up so anyway it's just beautiful I love how you know you put it that he knew exactly what you were needed to hear to confirm that who you are is wonderful and great and start your podcast with what's up he, he he's he's in agreement <laughs> and he's a super super cool guy so not to I never want to talk about him and just this you know, easy best friend kind of way without really honoring the most magnificent and honorable role that he really is as a God. He's someone who is just the most incredible um, divine being that sits next to our heavenly father. I can't even imagine. So I never wanted to belittle or have you guys think that we don't honor like that role that he actually is the savior the redeemer of the world. And he earned, he has earned all those titles by just being this most selfless loving being and giving us kind of wrapping back around to giving us the book of Mormon to give us more light as we are going through these last days and trying to figure our lives out and have a relationship with him. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you and hope that you got something out of this that it'll help to transform your life in a small way or maybe even in some big ways. So thanks for being on. Thanks friends. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the sisters in Zion podcast. 
Music is compliments of Marshall McDonald and can be found on his Sunday Best album. You can share this podcast with others through your podcast app or Podbean website. Join us next week for more experiences, enlightenment, and conversations to draw closer to Christ.